All right. Good morning. Um, we are going to be in First Corinthians three. If you want to get uh, ahead of the game, um, I'm going to start in verse one in just a little bit. But I want to tell you why we're going there. Okay. So here, here's my one thing that I want you to hear. I want you to walk away with uh, more challenge than anything else. Faith. And spiritual growth come from one source. And they are both expected to increase. And that'll make a little sense in a little bit. Here's a statement uh, you can agree or disagree with, but I think you will agree with. We love distractions. We crave them. We seek after them. Some of us don't even know how distracted we are in our own very life uh, with Netflix, faith, Facebook, Instagram, and all these other social media platforms, and I'm not going to date myself <laughs> by saying them because I probably don't even know all the cool ones that are out there, but we love to have something to distract us from what's going on because it's easier to be distracted than it is to deal with real life. We can get caught up in a new streaming show. And like today, I don't know about all of the older people in the room, but you kids, you don't know anything. You had to wait week for week, and there was not DVR. And if you missed a week, you never saw that episode, period. Unless years or decades later, you caught the rerun and saw that famous episode. There was no streaming, you know, season after season. Or when it got released, you got everything all at one time. There was none of that. I mean, so it's easy, like literally this afternoon you can go and be like, oh man, so-and-so just got released eight hours later. You're like, oh, didn't eat, didn't go to the bathroom, distractions. So it's easy with all of those things and with all the world's problems, just like Tara mentioned here just a second ago, to forget about the life that we've been given and the mission that we've been assigned. Personal spiritual growth and kingdom advancement is our work and life. Jesus didn't save us just for heaven, which I think is a southern thing. Maybe not. Maybe it's a universal thing. But like, it seems like salvation is to get us into a place instead of freeing us now, instead of preparing us now, instead of uh, making us into the people that we are now, because we have this now that we're still living in. Today's text will show us just this distraction, but it's going to be a distraction that the church had. Uh, and it has been an issue. Distractions within inside the church have been an issue from the beginning. This is a letter written to one of the uh, founding churches. And it was something that was invading them, that was distracting them from the purpose. So let's pray before we get into the word. Jesus, even inside the church, we love to get our attention on things that aren't as important as the mission that you've placed us on. And so, Lord, I pray that where there is division, uh, where there is distraction, that you would bring clarity this morning. Lord, that we would take responsibility for the, the, the way we are participating in either the, the division or the distraction. 
And Lord, we would let today be an eye-opener for us that you have purpose and intention for us now. Lord, let us live this life that you've given us, the breath that you've put in our lungs to serve you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to give you a little background, a little background of the church in Corinth. It was born in Acts 18. Paul goes into the city. It's a a verse that I've used a lot in sermons. Actually, one, when we were praying about planting a church that I just felt over Leland, um, but Paul was feeling threatened. The Holy Spirit speaks to him. He says, do not be afraid. Be bold. I have many in this city that are mine. This was Acts. And and pretty, I mean, this was Corinth. And pretty much um, what had happened up to this point is that Paul would go into a new city. He would preach, teach. People would get saved. He would set up a leadership team and he would go to the next place. Well, in Corinth, he spent 18 months teaching and preaching and training them. This was slightly unusual to all the other churches that he had began. And, and even with all that training, even with all that effort, there was issues, there were things that got in there. Well, Corinth was a wealthy port city in Greece. Uh, and the church, of course, just like I said, had some issues. And what you'll find out is there's issues in every church, even this one. There is no perfect church because there is no perfect people and churches are filled with people. Um, so we struggle along and try to regain our attention on the one thing that happens. And so what we're going to get into in the letter um, in 1 Corinthians, it's a letter to this church that Paul clearly loved. He spent 18 months teaching and training them, and he's writing this letter because there are things that aren't right with the church. And this one that we're going to talk about this today seems very petty, but I think it's something that totally distracts from the purpose and intention of what God wanted to do in and through this church. And so in chapter 2, Paul is already addressing some issues. In chapter 2, he makes mention that he's uh, addressing the mature. And in chapter 3, he's going to address the immature, which you'll see in verse 1 as we pick it up. So here we go. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3. Starting in verse 1, it's going to be on the screen behind you. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. He's going like, I don't even know how to spiritually speak to you because I'm not sure that you're understanding what's going on, that you're people of the flesh. See, Paul is addressing those who are stuck, the ones who are still trusting in and living in the flesh, which is easy. I think we're made aware of the level because sometimes we think we've arrived. Have you ever got to that point where you're like, man, I haven't got angry or I haven't got fill in the blank for a period of time? And you're like, I've done it. And then something happens. Like if you just drive around or if you have a discussion with your spouse and you realize how much more of your flesh that you need to deal with. And this is what's going on. And he's going to tell why this is an issue. In verse 2 it says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still in the flesh. 
There is no issue with milk. Every single person starts in their faith journey as an infant, learning how to, to live inside this new spiritual life that we've been opened to. It's just how it is. There's, there's no judgment in it. If, if today you said yes to Jesus and you didn't spend any time getting to know him prior to that, it is okay for you to be on milk. There's no issue with that. Like when you have children, the assumption is they're not like we usually bring food to parents at the hospital, a nice meal outside of what they get from the hospital when they have babies at their church instead of flowers. We figure a little steak or something else is, whoo. But like I would never get a steak for the baby. Like how idiotic. I mean, you wouldn't think, like why didn't you bring the baby a, the cheese fries? You wouldn't think that because you understand that that's where they are. They can only have milk. The problem is you don't expect a 20-year-old to still be asking for a bottle. And this is what he's doing. He's going, hey, guys, I have taught you. I spent 18 months there, and there you've been in. Who knows how long it's been since this point. You should be further along. And he's telling them. And so how does he know that they're not further along. And he finished this is in verse 3. It says, For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh, and behaving, are you not in the flesh, and behaving only in a human way? When there is um, jealousy and strife, that is a sign of immaturity. <laughs> Period. It is this flesh rising up and it is it's silly what he's going to deal with and i'm going to try to do my best to translate this into our terms today so like bear with me and just forgive me if i mess this part up so in verse four he's going to explain where their jealousy and strife is so this is a church who should be on mission I mean, this is, there's no more a point of when the church was on mission than this, because they, they, were, they were in it. They knew the consequences of it. It was a challenge. They were all about it. So in verse 4, here's the issue. Here's the distraction keeping the church in disunity. It says, For one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not merely being human? So there's this division in here because there's two leaders. Paul came in, was the original leader. Apollos was another teacher that came in. There's nothing negative about either one of those. But there's some people in the church going, I'm a Paul guy. And there's another group in the church going, I'm an Apollos guy. And when you're having a division because of who you're following, which we're going to clarify that there is just one person that we follow, we ruin the, uh, the mission of the church because we're so distracted about something that doesn't matter, which Paul is going to make, because th- he's writing this. If anybody would take up for Paul, it would be in this letter because Paul's writing it and go, yeah, 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 but okay, let's get this. Jesus, of course, then Paul, then Paul, which he doesn't do. He makes very clear that in this moment, this thing is distracting The church, period. Paul explains what he's talking about. This idea that my church is better than your church. I have people all the time come to our church because they didn't like something about the other church. And if it's unbiblical things, great. 
Absolutely. The problem is a lot of people come into and leave one church and go to another church for something. Don't get your feelings hurt. That doesn't matter. I had one. This is long ago and they don't go to our church anymore. I had one guy, a family came to our church and they were excited at the end of service. Like, oh, we had a great time. You know, like in the one reason they were leaving, one of the reasons they were leaving their other churches because they didn't have a cross displayed in the room. I'm like, okay. And I don't know how that sits in you. Some of you are like, oh, you better put a cross. If you ever have a building, you better have a cross in it. I'm just telling you, what does that matter? Is there a document in the church manuscripts that says, for you to be an on-mission church, you better have a cross in there. Now, you better preach the cross. You better teach about what happened on the cross but whether or not there is a physical cross in the building, it doesn't matter. And there in the list, I mean, I could, I, could, I could literally go all day of things because I think it's easier to fight about a cross. Or do you have an American flag in your church? I had someone say. Or do y'all just, I was like, well, we don't have a building, so we're not going to display American flag. Which, Like, what, what does it matter? Like, in 1 Corinthians, you think he's saying, hey, make sure you have your national flag in your church? There is one thing after another. Even theology, and I don't mean theology that, that puts you into, like, heresy. I mean opinions. And there's lots of opinions out there that we have no definitive, like, this is right or wrong. And it divides the church. And if we go to Acts, I mean, not Acts 17, John 17, until there's unity in the church... And this is what he's dealing with in the church of Corinth. There's disunity because of things that don't matter. Because, like I said just a second ago, it's easier to fight about those things. It's easier to argue about those things than it is to take a reality check of how your spiritual growth really is. Because when you argue, when you have jealousy and strife in the church, it is a sign of immaturity in you. In verse 5, it says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through him you believe. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Key. Key here. I mean, Paul could have, like anyone else, he could have taken more credit here. But he's saying we are just instruments to what God is doing, but it is God that brings the growth. And he deals with this back in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 11. <laughs> and I, I don't know why this tickles me. I don't know if you ever read things in the Bible and you're like, you just like the way it's said. But it, it says in verse 11, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people. <laughs> I don't know why, like when I read that this week, I was like, oh, Chloe's people. Yeah, they get a letter from Chloe's people. Um, that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Christ. I mean, Caiaphas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? When Paul, was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized into the name of Paul? 
And he goes on to say, I'm glad I didn't baptize many of you so that you could... Hold on, world. Who, who did your baptism? Oh, oh, Paul did mine. Oh, what church do you go to? Oh, no, no, I go to this church. Look, there is a mission that is going on, and if we don't get over what's going on in our own life, if we don't kill the distractions, we're going to miss what God is going to, is doing and is going to do in and through. He's like, look, we've got to deal with this. This is an issue that's going on, and I believe it's still an issue that goes on today. I think some people, and let me, let me just state this, through what he just said. Heath Cadell cannot save you. That's my last name, just in case you didn't know. You're like, who? That's me. Reach Community Church cannot save you. Period. We can be instruments or tools for what God is doing, but your salvation is never going to come through. Remember when we talked about a couple of weeks ago, for several weeks, this through idea? It is not going to come. Salvation is not going to come through us. God may use us, but it's always going to be Him. The church and its pastors are just tools to build faith and make much of God. I think sometimes we make much of ourselves. I went to a youth pastor conference, and you know, youth pastors are always the troublemakers. They're the ones that do all the dumb stuff and I went to a conference one time and the guy got up there and he's like, I want to give God all the glory as long as it goes through me. And, and we live in a world where we want God to be glorified, but only if we get some credit. If only we get built up. It says, or I, I wrote this, and remember you as a disciple is part of this royal priesthood. So, like, there is this movement of God that God is trying to do. And I think sometimes we hold this churches and pastors to this, like, it is their mission. And I want to just tell you that it's not our mission. It is. Okay. It's not just, just our mission. In 1 Peter 2, chapter 9, it clarifies this. And in Ephesians, I'll mention after this, it says, But you, a royal, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. A royal priesthood. You. We're no longer in an old system where it, ju- it must be this one per- It must be the guy with the microphone that does all the ministry. God has given all of his children into this family to be in the royal priesthood. It, it, priesthood and it actually says in Ephesians that he gave the church to equip the saints to do the ministry. Look, I, we're, we're in an unusual time. I mean, you're sitting six feet apart from other people. Um, in a building. So there's some familiarity of church, but church isn't what it used to be. And I think sometimes, I think now it's real easy to get in the back seat of what God is doing and be like, ah, like it's difficult. It's hard. It's not as easy. Like small groups aren't like they were and all these other things we can make excuses about instead of taking responsibility for what God has called you to right now. 
The kingdom isn't stopping because of the coronavirus. The kingdom isn't stopping because of what's going on in churches. And to be completely honest, most major moves of God happened at times of severe persecution, times of severe limiting of what the church was able to do publicly. It's our opportunity to get these distractions and divisions out of us so that we can participate in what God is doing. So here's what he continues to say in verse 7. It says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. God, but only God who gives the growth, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field, God's building. Look, if you get the luxury of participating in what God does in someone, never take for granted that it was God's work in them. Because I, I, we, we can. We can get so cocky. We can get so arrogant about how good I am. Like, look what I just did. Instead of this humbly saying, thank you, Lord, that you opened eyes, that you gave life. In verse 10, it says, according to the grace of God given to me, Like a skilled master builder, I lay a foundation. And someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself be saved, but only as through the fire. Testing of the work that you're putting in is going to come. Like if, if, if your life is built on anything, and this is why we talked about faith weeks ago, if we get that out of line, that it is by faith alone that Jesus moves in and through us, and if, we, if we're not building on that reality, then we'll, of course, suffer harm. Um, if nothing else, our North Carolina is exposed um, in two different incidents in the last month through one hurricane and one earthquake. Great state, yes is that your foundation will be tried. And your faith foundation will also be tried as things come. I I believe that our world isn't going to get easier for us as believers. Our world is going to get more difficult. And when trials and tribulations come, 
it will show the work of our labor. And this is why this morning I, I want us to get to this reality is that it's time to get in the game. It's time to take serious your future movement in maturity. It's time if you've only been about milk. And the way I look at milk is these easy and light teachings like God loves you. The, by the grace of God, he, and I think those are milk, they're good things, but some of the hard things is that God's called you potentially to suffer for his kingdom. Some of those hard things are, it's not about what you're going to acquire here, is that God may ask everything of you, may move you to a foreign country, may take away all the comforts and securities that you have here for his mission. I think those are the hard things. And even the truth. Some of the hard things of what you read is that there's truth in there that are going to confront ways of living that you're living in right now. And remember, we've got to keep those in this, this area, which is a little side note, of grace and truth. Because what we build in our life related to the kingdom will be the only thing that matters. Down the road, what house I had or you had or what things that you had came and went, none of that's going to matter. Even in this lifetime, we know, I mean, I've had grandparents um, that aren't here on this world anymore physically and all the stuff that they had acquired over 90 years got transferred to someone else. But the things that we invest in the kingdom now are the things that will last. So here's some questions for you. First one's a statement. Growth and maturity aren't optional. If you're a disciple... That is the pattern. Just like when you are a child, the pattern is that you will, if you're a healthy, normal child, you will move from stage to stage of maturity to the point that you leave mom and dad and live on your own and enter into the world as an individual by yourself. That's the movement that you have, and that's the expectation. On our spiritual side, we have to look at it the same way. We cannot stay in the same place of immaturity. And, and that, honestly, may take you submitting, like, hey, I need some help. Like, I'm struggling to get out of some of these sin patterns. I'm struggling to get in the Word. And this is why we have each other. To encourage, I, I know that I'm grateful for the movement I've had going forward has mostly been, thankfully, through other people that have challenged me and encouraged me through my life. We don't want any 20-year-old babies. Period. So here's your first question. And you don't have to say anything out loud. Just think about this. How's your spiritual maturity? If you were to give yourself a spiritual age, what would you be?
still in the milk? Are you in the meat? And let me, let me just, on a side note, because I think sometimes we connect our spiritual maturity to the church. There's an expectation that you will learn to feed yourself. I gratefully, she's not here so I can talk about it. I'm grateful that my children can feed themselves. It was a magical moment when they could get their fork. And it's messy. I'm going to tell you, when you start feeding yourself spiritually, see a one-year-old, grab a fork, it's chaos. But it takes some moving through chaos to get, you know, you might have started with five peas on that spoon and end up with just one, but that one that gives your mouth, it's just, you know what I'm saying? There's this, and it's okay to move forward with that. It's okay. The, the progression is, is they should be eating themselves. Like we now, with an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and an 11-year-old, we sit down at the table, they fix their plates. They feed themselves. So I get to focus on my eating, which is great parents of young children i'm sorry you will get there and i will say that my my oldest just the other day 18 years old cut up her own steak by herself it's a win this is what we're talking about like you should learn to feed yourself you should not expect the church to be solely responsible for your intake of spiritual things. Because our buffet is only open on Sunday. Church, here you are. You wouldn't go to the Chinese buffet, which I don't even know. Are buffets even open anymore? Is Golden Corral open? Anybody know? I'm not a big fan, but I'm okay if it's closed. Um, but, you know, you would no more expect to go to that buffet after church today and not eat Maybe you'd feel like that after the buffet. But, you know, by tomorrow you'd be ready to eat something. But there would be no expectation that you would only eat on Sunday and then come back. It's the same thing with your spiritual life. You must take responsibility to be in the Word. And there's help along the way. Just like when our children started eating, like you had to, know this is how you hold a spoon. This is, you know, you give them things that aren't sharp to begin with. (laughs) Just spoons. So how is your spiritual maturity? Here's another question for you. Where is repentance needed to move forward? We cannot allow sin and um, jealousy and strife and all these other things to live inside of us, this bitterness. Where in your life right now is repentance needed so you can move forward? Where is, and repentance is literally taking to God these things, saying, God, I was wrong. I need your forgiveness. And lay those things down with Him. Unforgiveness is this weight that we carry around. It is so difficult for us to move forward with that weight on us. And on the side of that is what distractions do you, you need to, re, to remove from yourself to move forward? I talked to so many people, they, like, they just don't have enough time in there, you know, like, ah, oh, so busy. But if we looked at how much Netflix or fill in your streaming service as needed, hours that you committed to that or Facebook or Instagram or social media platforms, you have plenty of time. 
Now, I'm sure there are some people that don't do any of those things, and your life is chaos, and you're so busy, you don't have time. We might need to work on something else. But most of us in this room, not having enough time to spend time with Jesus is not our excuse. It's getting rid of something else that's distracting us. And I'm going to invite our worship team up, and here's my last question for you. So acknowledging where your spiritual maturity is, saying, oh, I potentially need to grow, acknowledging where you uh, need to repent, what distractions you need to remove. And the last is an action step. What are you going to do this week to grow in your faith? Because an unmade plan will never be made. You have to make a plan. And I encourage you, um, we, we're going to finish right now with a song. And there's opportunity for you to spend some time thinking through these, like, where am I spiritually? Where am I? Where do I need to move forward? And what do I need to do this week? And one of those things needs to be, and you, you can decide on how much, one of those things needs to be the Word of God. We cannot grow in maturity without His Word because it's the one thing that we can weigh against the other. Because to be completely honest, we can let strife and jealousy ruin our churches or we can do something about it. And for the most part, this isn't necessarily our issue. I don't see many of you guys going, all these other churches, they stink and we're the best. I only want to hear from Pastor Heath. I mean... But, I mean, I don't think that's our issue, but I think there's things that we're missing the point of. And we're getting distracted by that we need to set right. Because I want, during this season, for people to experience the grace of God through you. There's nothing more motivating than seeing the Holy Spirit use your life And your actions and your words speak life into other people. It will motivate you to do so much more than you're doing right now. Let's pray. Lord, you know where we're at spiritually. You literally know what our next step is. I pray that you would help us walk in it, step into it. Lord, I pray that you would help us be intentional uh, with our own spiritual development, our own spiritual growth. And Lord, as we acknowledge that there's potentially things in our life that we need to lay at your feet, I pray that you would allow us or give us the strength to do so. Lord, for those in this room that regardless of where they're at on the spectrum of growth and maturity, even if they're not even on that spectrum, Lord, I pray that you would draw us in to relationship that motivates us to know you, to love you, and to serve you. 
pray that you would open our eyes to see. I pray that you would clear our ears to hear. And I pray that we would be a people that obey you at all costs. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.